0: Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Man, I tell you, I am excited about this movie. Anything with the rock in it, I'm in like. I'm in. Uh, I love The Rock. I think uh, this one's going to be just as good. Obviously, a lot of humor and things like that, but I'm in. Uh, Well, hey, my name is Pastor Scott, and I'm the associate pastor here. Excited to be able to bring uh, this final message of our At The Movie series to you today. Before we kick off next week with our new series, Summer Reading, one of the favorites here at Coastal that we've done uh, over the last quite a few years in the summers, and uh, so we're excited about that. Pastor Chris and his lovely wife Janet are on vacation this week, and they'll actually be back here in the next couple days, and he will be back to bring next week's message. And so we're excited to have them back as we kick off that new series. Uh, but today we are, as I said, finishing up this At The Movie series with this movie Jungle Cruise. And now uh, many of you have probably ridden on the, the Jungle Cruise ride maybe at Disney, right? Like there's an opportunity to do that ride. And so now there's finally this movie to be able to kind of put it all together a little bit. And so uh, I'm excited to be able to check it out. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, it does have snakes in it, so my wife probably won't be going with me to watch it. But Other than that, I am pumped and excited to be able to see it. And so kind of just a little quick synopsis after we saw the trailer. Uh, Obviously, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt on this adventure of a lifetime. Uh, The movie is this, uh, what's called a rollicking thrill ride down the Amazon with the wisecracking skipper Frank Wolf, who is The Rock, and intrepid researcher Dr. Lily Houghton, who is uh, Emily Blunt. So Lily travels from London, England, to the Amazon to enlist Frank's questionable services to guide her downriver to Lucky which is his ramshack or on Lakia, which is his ramshackle but charming boat. Now she is determined, as you can kind of see throughout the uh, preview here, to uncover this ancient tree of unparalleled healing abilities, mainly to say maybe eternal life uh, as well as a part of that. And so, possessing this power, this tree does to change the future of medicine and long-lasting life. And so they're kind of thrust into this quest together, uh, this unlikely duo as you kind of saw throughout the, uh, the preview uh, with dangers and supernatural forces all kind of lurking throughout the, the lush rainforest around the Amazon. Uh, but as this kind of the, the secrets unfold, as you watch throughout this movie, uh, the stakes reach even higher for Lily and Frank and all of mankind. And so uh, it's sure to be a, a good movie, I think an exciting and an entertaining movie. Uh, but when I first saw the preview for this instantly, obviously through this series, what we do is we, we take a movie that's you know current or modern or, or coming out. This one actually comes out this next week. Uh, but we take this movie and we're not preaching the movie, but we're pulling a spiritual truth from the movie. We're using it as a platform as a. Platform, springboard to be able to talk about spiritual truth. And so uh, instantly, as you kind of, as you heard this summary, kind of saw the preview, I think there's some things that obviously jump out, Uh, the idea of pursuit of eternal life. Uh, is something, and that's a, a spiritual truth that I think we can see uh, throughout Scripture, that there is a, a pursuit that many of us uh, share to see what does that look like and how eternity plays out. Uh, another part of that is Emily Blunt says, you've been looking for this thing and you haven't been able to find it, but you don't have the key. And if we're looking for the key to eternal life, we know as, uh, as a Christ follower that the key to eternal life is what? It's Jesus. And so, there's a lot of different things that we can pull out of this, And, uh, but I think the, kind of some of the biggest stuff as we get into this and some things that stuck out to me uh, that I want us to be able to look at today in a passage of Scripture, but uh, this journey for this tree provides this, you know, it's the idea of eternal life that this tree provides, and it begins because I think there's this desire for more, and I think that's the case for all of us, is that we seek after eternal life because there's a desire for more. We, you know, we have this, well, you know, I want to see and experience more things, and so, when I think to this, i want to ask this question of everybody that's here in the room as well as those of you watching us uh, online. I want to ask this question. Why is eternal life, or even more or a longer life, something that we want? Why is that? Why do we want longer life? Why do we want eternity? Why, why you know, and some of you would be like, well, I don't, I don't want to live forever. And I, I understand that. But at the same time, like, why would we want to have an eternity? And why, why would we want to experience a longer or more life than maybe we have here on this earth? I think it's ultimately because we have this fear of missing out. We have this fear of missing out on the things that we enjoy, the people that we love and that are in our, in our life. And we don't want to miss out on the things that, that are coming once we leave this earth. And so uh, this fear of missing out is obviously a term that's been thrown around in the last few years called FOMO. Uh, you may have seen this if you're a social media or if you're under 30, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but FOMO, fear of missing out. And uh, I think the idea that when we consider this question of why we would want this. Uh, You know, I think it ultimately comes down to, we have this fear of missing out on these things that, that we enjoy in our life, but surrendering our life to Jesus can be difficult because there might be a fear of missing out on the worldly things that we have and that we experience. You think about that. For some, maybe in this room, some watching online, for those of you that don't have a relationship with Christ, part of the issue for you to surrender your life to Jesus is you have this fear of missing out on the things of this world, the things that this world offers, there's things here that you, that you love and enjoy and think, man, I don't think Jesus can match up. I don't think Jesus can compare to what I like to do on the weekends or like who I like to hang out with or whatever it is that I may enjoy doing. And, and so I don't wanna give up those things or feel like I have to give up those things in order to have a relationship with Christ. Well, let me tell you this, Jesus far surpasses anything this world has to offer, anything, there's nothing that matches up. And so while we have this fear of missing out on the things of this world, we need to understand we should have a fear on missing out of what Jesus offers and what he lays out on the table for us. And so uh, this fear, idea of fear missing out, I think comes uh, is easy to see when we look in social media obviously. We see everybody posting their their amazing pictures and, uh, you know, their selfies and all the stuff they're doing. We think, man, I'd love to be on that vacation where they're at, or I'd love to be doing what they're doing, or I'd love to have that outfit that she has, or whatever it may be. There's this idea of, of a fear of missing out, and I think so often we see those moments, but we need to understand that we are only seeing the best moments, or we're seeing the fake moments, Or sometimes we we look at that and we see, man, look what they're doing, or look at the life that they're living, or doing this, or the experience that they have, but we don't see all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff, the struggles, the not-so-great moments. And so I think it's important for you and me to understand that the world paints a picture that does not match up, and even the things that we do see does not match up to what Jesus has to offer. Nobody ever posts their worst day on social media, do they? see the picture of them like, you know, like them and their couple friends and it's like, you know, hashtag ladies night, you know, and like, they're having like a blast and have having fun and doing all this stuff. Nobody ever posts the picture of themselves laying in bed for the second straight day, 24 hours into a binge watch on Netflix with, you know, Cheetos and empty two liters and <laughs> empty things of, you know, ice cream. And they're like living my best life with Ben and Jerry or what, you know, whatever it may be. Like, we don't see that. We don't see that. And even in our Christian circles, like we like to put out this social media type stuff of, uh, you know, being a good Christian, you know, like, oh, you're sitting at the coffee shop and you got your Bible laid open, you got your coffee tilted just right. And you're kind of, you take this picture, you know, you're like spending time with Jesus, hashtag coffee with Christ, you know, and like you put out that picture and meanwhile you spent 15 minutes getting the picture right and two minutes reading the Bible. You see, we need to understand that we, have, we need to have a fear of missing out on what Jesus has and offers us, not on what this world shows us, not on what this world displays. And so today I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and it's about a guy that had a fear of missing out on the worldly things and missed his opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. And so if you would, in uh, Mark 10, it'll be up on the screen, or if you got your Bible with, you, you can open that up. If you got your uh, iPad or iPhone, turn that on. It's in our uh, notes that's on our, uh, on our coastal app, as well as on our YouVersion Bible app. You can check it out there. But Mark 10, uh, verse 17, we're going to kind of walk through this a couple verses at a time. Mark 10:17 through 22 says, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? this is the story of the rich young ruler. Uh, many of you are familiar with this passage of scripture and there's a lot of great things that we can see uh, in these in this verse right here. For instance, this man is coming to Jesus because he's heard about the great things he has done, heard about his teachings and his, his wisdom and the miracles and everything that he's been doing. And so he comes to him and Jesus, he asks, Jesus says, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to have an eternity And Jesus says, well, if you want to talk about what you need to do, well, here's what you need to do. And he lays out these commandments. You You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to not do this, but you need to do this. And then arrogantly, the rich young ruler replies and says what? All of these I have kept from my youth. I have done all these things since I was a kid. Lie, right? Like There's no way he has done these things. And he might be thinking to himself, well, I've done most of them or I've done them most of the time, you know, 75% of the time or even just 51% of the time. Most of the time, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person and I've done these things. And so what Jesus is going to confront him with here in just a moment is that it's so much bigger than the things that we do because we cannot do enough of the right things, which leads to the very first truth that I have for you this morning. And that's this good behavior can't outdo God's goodness. Good behavior can't outdo God's goodness. No matter how good we are, no matter how good we act, we cannot outdo the goodness of God. And so when we have these things that we are supposed to do that he lays out for the rich young ruler, we can't be perfect in them. The bar has been set at perfection. And if we fall short on one thing, we are not perfect enough. We can't do enough good deeds to inherit eternal life. And so this rich young ruler came looking for Jesus, came to him, comes up to him. Just like you and me, we come to church, we open our Bible, we join a life group, we serve, we do all these things, but he comes to him and the rich young ruler, when he comes to him, he's, he's coming to him saying, you know, I, I want truth. I want to hear truth. And so Jesus is dropping some truth on him right here and says, you need to do these things. And for us, we want to find truth. We don't want to be lied to. None of us does, but we find ourselves in lies all the time. Did you know that the average person lies 200 times a day, 200 Now, some of those are lies that are like so, seem so small and simple, like you tell your friend, oh, your hair looks great, and it doesn't, right? Or you lie to yourself, and you think, you know, man, I'm looking looking pretty sharp in this outfit, you know, and, and you don't. Like, some of them are very small and meaningless type things like that. But some of them are very serious, serious things about, you know what, I consider myself a Christ follower, a Christian. Now, I haven't opened my Bible in months. I haven't spent time in worship, and when I do show up, it's more about connecting with other people and less about connecting with the Lord. And Sometimes we tell ourselves lies, and so this rich young ruler is lying to himself, but he's also lying to Jesus when Jesus confronts him. So the rich young ruler did go to the right source for truth, which is something that we need to keep in in mind. He did go to the right source, and it says, no one is good except God alone. Catch that. We are not good. We are incapable of good. We need help to be good. When God says we have to have perfection to gain eternity, to gain eternal life, we cannot do it on our own. We need something to be perfect for us. It's Jesus. We need a middleman. We need something in the middle. Several years ago... One of the times I went to Peru, uh, I remember building a, uh, brick walls for a bathroom and, with another guy and we were building these brick walls with a couple of the, the Peruvian guys and we're building these brick walls. I had never laid brick and I've never laid brick since and so we're building these wall. The wall is still standing, I will have you know. But so we're building this brick wall and we run out of the, the mortar to be used with the bricks and so uh, one of the Peruvian guys, he starts mixing it kind of like on the ground and he's mixing it all and getting it all going and, and then we're kind of sitting there watching him. He gets done and he looks at me and he's like, boogie, I'm like, what? He's like, "Boogie." I'm like, "Like, like Boogie?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no." He's like, "Boogie." I'm like, "Like hey, Boogie." Like, no, no, no. And he's like, "Boogie." And I'm like, "Buggy, wheelbarrow." Is what and that took us like 10 minutes to figure that out, okay? And I say this because here's the thing. We needed somebody in the middle. We needed a translator. We needed a a mediator, somebody to connect this Peruvian who speaks Spanish and me who's had nine years of Spanish but can't speak a lick of it. Like, we needed somebody in between to connect us. Now, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, we need to have Jesus in the middle to connect us with God for all eternity. We need the middleman, we need the mediator, we need the Savior. And so, when I look at this passage of Scripture, it says, No one is good except God alone. We need to understand that this rich young ruler has this distorted view of truth and his abilities. And we think right now today, just like this rich young ruler, we think we are better than we really are. The world thinks they're better than they really are. You ever watch the first few weeks of American Idol? They think they're better than they really are. <laughs> and here's another, just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, just be as transparent as I can be this morning. Every guy in here and every guy watching online has done this. We have all, as men or as boys, had our shirt off, stood in front of a mirror, flexed, and thought people are going to like that. (laughs) We all have a skewed version or idea of who we are. This rich young ruler thinks he is perfect. He thinks he has done the things that he needs to do, but here is the deal. The point is, is that we can't be good, and we can't be good enough. We need someone to be good for us. And so this rich young ruler misses this point of the response. Uh, And the requirement ultimately is this, it's unattainable perfection. That's the requirement. We cannot attain it. But he doesn't understand it. He thinks he's done enough. And his idea of truth really just affects him and his own interest. And so we need to understand that we need to believe all of God's truth, or we might as well not believe any of it. If you're going to open up God's word and you're going to believe the part that gets you saved and into heaven, but ignore and deny the rest of it, you've got a really big problem. We understand that God's word is truth and that all of it's truth. We take it all. So let's read on. Mark 10, uh, verse 21. It says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And then come follow me. This passage of scripture where he says Jesus looks at him, he loved him, and he said to him, You lack one thing. It leads me to our second truth. Jesus perfectly loves you, even though you are imperfect. He perfectly loves you, even though you are imperfect. His love is perfection. The way that he loves, the way that he shows it, the way that he talks about it, the way that he demonstrates it and cares for you is perfection. So it says in this passage, looking at him, he loved him. Do you ever think God just looks down at us, shakes his head and says, silly humans. The stuff that we do, the decisions that we make, the things that we think are a priority and important"? and a focus of our life. And he just, I got this feeling, he just looks at us and thinks, oh man, not again. See, Jesus loved this rich young ruler right where he was, right with his messed up theology, right with his, his sin, his past, his pride, his jealousy, his baggage that he had, just like he loves you and me right where we are. He loves you. No matter the dirt that's in your life, no matter the condition of your heart and your soul, he loves you right where you are at. He's calling you to himself. He wants a relationship with you. And so when you read this passage, and it says, looking at him, he loved him, and he tells him, he says, you lack one thing. Now, when we read that, if we were to take this out of context a little bit, like a lot of people do, you lack one thing. You lack a perfect life. No, he doesn't tell him he lacks a perfect life. You lack more stuff. You lack the new iPhone or the bigger TV or the nicer car or the fancier house on the better neighborhood. No, he doesn't say any of that. You lack a perfect family. He doesn't say that either. He says, you lack one thing. And what he's gonna go on to say is, you lack one thing, and it's me. You have all the stuff in the world, all the fame, all the status, but you lack one thing and it's me. And so when I when I think about this, because I think we, we all have this idea of perfection needing to be attained, and we need to be better and do better and be better people and live better lives, all these kinds of stuff, which all of those things are good and great but they do not achieve eternal life. And so, as if you're in the room and you're are watching online and you're a parent, I want you to understand that the one thing your child doesn't lack is the better school, is the better team of sports that they're on, the better grades. But what they might lack is a relationship with Christ. If you are a parent, you have one responsibility with your children, one. It's to raise them to hear about who Jesus is, to love him and to know him and to walk with him. That's your one responsibility. Everything else is the next tier. We don't wanna fail in that. We don't wanna fail in our kids being able to know and to hear about who Jesus is. That's the most important thing. And so when we read this and we say we lack one thing and it's until we surrender our life to Jesus. I don't want us to lack the one thing. I don't want my kids to lack the one thing. They get into great school, great college, have great careers, that's awesome. That's just icing on top. But we need to understand that the relationship with Christ is the focus. It's the the important, it's the the priority in our life as a a parent. But it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what baggage that you have in your life, what baggage you bring into the relationship. But here's the thing. Do not think anyone in this room or anybody watching online, no one is beyond saving. No one. You might think, well, Pastor Scott, you don't know the stuff that I've got going on in my life. Right, I I may not. But I know that Jesus is more and that he's better and that he can overcome those things. And so we need to understand as hurting or broken or feeling unloved, wherever we're at in our life right now, that in our minds, salvation, I think, doesn't seem possible. And you know what? Based on us, it's not. It's impossible because we can't do it on our own. So Jesus tells this man, He says, here's what you need to do. Sell all that you have, give it to the poor. You know, we tried the commandment thing. Okay, well then do that. Sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. He says, you think think you've done all these things. Well, how about this? I'm trying to get this point across to you. So he says, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Which leads to the third truth for this morning. That's this. Treasure in heaven is far better than treasure on earth. This rich young ruler had accumulated so much treasure, so much wealth and status and stuff and, and fame and popularity, he had accumulated all of these things and he found value in those things and Jesus was trying to tell him, hey, you've got all this stuff that is guard, or blocking you. It's an obstruction to having a relationship with me and you need to understand that and you need to recognize that. And so he's telling him, you need to leave the things behind and commit to me. Leave those things. Sell them. Give, them, give, the, give it to the poor. Then come follow me. We need to understand here today that we need to leave the things behind. We need to commit our relationship and our life and our heart to the Lord Jesus and then we need to sell out for him. Now, some people in, in, in this, and please don't take this the wrong way, stuff is not bad, right? Like to have things is not bad. But when those things become your God or your idol, Where they come between you and a relationship with Christ, that's when they become bad. And that could be things, it could be people, it could be a fame and popularity and relationship type thing as well. And so, some, uh, we won't maybe take this step to be able to submit and surrender our life to Jesus because of fear, because of doubt, laziness. I think some of us, we think this world may be better, and we don't feel like Jesus matches up to what the world has to offer when he does and he far surpasses it. You see, I I think I've said this before uh, here on a Sunday morning that this world that we experience right here on this earth, what we're going through day in and day out, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, this is the best that it gets. But if you are here today and living your life the way you are, and you are a Christ follower, you are a Christian, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, this world is the worst that it gets. It only gets better. When we leave this earth and we have a relationship with Christ, it gets better. But if we don't have a relationship with Christ, it gets worse. So where are you at on the spectrum? See, Jesus is calling this this rich young ruler to something radical, something crazy. Can you imagine the, the rich young ruler sitting there thinking to himself as he hears this, well, what if I sold all my stuff? Like, what would my friends think? What would the people in the community think if I sold and got rid of everything? You see, it's important to note that Jesus tells this rich young ruler he will have treasure in heaven, and then he's to come follow him. This rich young ruler is being confronted with the things that are in his life and the things that are keeping him from having this relationship with Christ. And so he questions it. But it's important for us to see in this passage when he tells him, you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Do you catch that? Surrender your life, surrender the stuff of this world, turn your life over to me, and then follow me. It doesn't say, get your life together and then come follow me. It doesn't even say, you know, follow my teachings and you will be saved. No, it says, surrender your life and then follow me. Salvation happens in this moment and it's not that we have to get our lives right and get perfect and get good for God and then come to him. No, we come to him and then he makes our lives perfect. And I don't mean our physical daily things of like how our jobs are going, how our family's going, relationships, all those kinds of things. I mean our soul our eternity, because of who we are and we have, been, have this heart that, is, that has been dirtied by sin and he's saying, surrender your life to me as Lord and Savior and then follow after me. You will have treasure in heaven and then you can come and follow after me. We don't have to be perfect and then come to God. We come to him now and he works through us and he provides for us. He begins to remove the dirt and the filth and to replace it with purity, righteousness, holiness, And salvation is what happens in this moment. And then there's this process of sanctification, which is becoming holy or becoming more like Jesus. That is a lifelong process that happens once we have been saved. So let's read on. Mark 10, verse 22. It says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He walked away. The rich young ruler heard this this challenge of selling the stuff that he has. Then he will have treasure in heaven. And then to come follow after Jesus... And it says, disheartened by what he heard, he walked away sorrowful, sad. Why? Because he had great possessions. He had great possessions, but was missing out on the greatest person that was standing right there in front of him. You know, I can't help but think that if this man were to have done this and surrendered his life and turned his life over to Jesus in these moments, we might would know his name. We might know who who this is. It wouldn't just be the rich young ruler or the rich young man, whatever your Bible titles is at. But we might wanna know who this man is because he had a relationship with Christ and he would have surrendered his life to Jesus. So this fourth point is that Jesus' call to salvation demands radical surrender. Jesus' call to salvation demands radical surrender. You see, he's calling us to salvation but he's calling us to a salvation that requires us to, to surrender radically the things that are going on in our life, the things that we have that are holding us back. What we can, we can see in this moment is that Jesus rejects the proud and he receives the humble. He rejects the proud and receives the humble. We can't go into a relationship with God and seek after him with the pride in ourselves. We have to have pride in who he is. And so part of that requirement to be able to do that means that we need to, to humble ourselves, to think, of, you know, to, to think of ourselves not as the best thing, to think of ourselves not as, as, as God or to, to be the most important thing. And so he rejects the proud and those who, he, who think they're perfect This rich young ruler thought he was perfect. He had thought he had done enough. He thought his good behavior and his good deeds would outweigh the the, the filthy things and the dirty things that he had done in his life, the sin that he had experienced and done in his life. But he didn't. The calling on our life is to radically surrender our lives to him, to experience who he is. This rich young ruler had this fear of missing out and he was struggling in this moment to be able to surrender his life to Jesus. Jesus. He's telling him, sell all of the stuff that you have. Give it to the poor. Make it about somebody else and less about you. And then come follow after me. You'll have treasure in heaven. The treasure in heaven that we're all seeking after, much like the, the movie that we saw today, an eternity. But better than just an eternity here on earth is an eternity in heaven with God that we can experience love, perfection, compassion, mercy, no more sin. No more pain, no more destruction, no more crying and tears, none of that in heaven as we're united with God for all eternity, but we have to humbly come to the Lord and radically surrender our lives to him. Now, in the 16th century, uh, there was a Renaissance astronomer named Nicholas Copernicus. For adults, you probably forgot about this guy, but he's somebody you heard of when you were in school. Uh, But he he challenged the belief that the earth was the center of the universe. In fact, Copernicus argued that the sun didn't revolve around the earth but rather that the earth revolved around the sun. This Copernican revolution turned the scientific world upside down by turning the universe inside out. And we need to experience our own Copernican revolution, a paradigm shift that happens when we come to realize that the world doesn't revolve around us. The world doesn't revolve around you and me, but it revolves around God himself. See, Jesus rejects those who have replaced all of God with awe of self, to have a proper fear of the Lord and reverence for who he is. We need to replace this awe of ourself and what we can accomplish and what we can do and replace it with an awe of God to understand who he is, that he is sovereign. He is in ultimate authority and complete authority. He is in control and that he is the Lord, the one that we are to surrender to and to fall in line with. It's not our truth, it's his truth. See, we don't have to be better before coming to Jesus as we saw in this verse just a moment ago. He accepts us just as we are with our baggage, our sin, our life, our filth, the dirt that's in our life. And it says in this last verse that he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. The rich young ruler's priorities were stuff and his status, not his standing with God. Those were his priorities. It wasn't so much about his stuff as what it represented. And uh, this rich young ruler couldn't even give up the things that had become his God. These things that were, that were so much right there. And, you know, what, what would my friends think if I gave up this stuff? And, and for some of you, you may be sitting here thinking right now and thinking, if I surrendered my life to the Lord, if I sold out and committed completely to Jesus, what would I have to give up? And it scares you because there's a fear of missing out on the things that this world tells you are important or that the world tells you are enjoyable. But what we see in Scripture is that there is a calling to radically surrender our lives to him. And so Jesus is calling this rich young ruler to something crazy, something radical. And the rich young ruler couldn't live in the world without being of the world. He couldn't do it. And so Jesus was calling him to be a disciple in this moment. It's like, almost like this was a call to be like the next disciple. Like, here's your opportunity. I'm gonna lay out, here's the deal. Do this, do this. Treasure in heaven, come follow me. And the rich young ruler walks away, but he had this invitation on the table to be a disciple of Jesus. See, what... For you today, and me as well, what is holding us back from experiencing everything Jesus has to offer? What can't we lay down? What can't we remove from our life? Is it a relationship? Is it possessions? Is it status? Is it our political party? What is it that we have that is keeping us from experiencing Jesus to his fullest? Our hands are so full right now in this world, that we can't even accept what Jesus is laying out to offer us. He's offering us the free gift of salvation, and we got our hands full of stuff, technology, and, you know, thing, cars, home, great family life, and all, whatever it may be. We have all this stuff that we've accumulated, and it's like we don't have a hand free to grab hold of the salvation, the free gift that's being offered to each and every one of us to live that out. You see, when, in, my, in my last moments on this earth and I know this is the case for so many that I've heard stories of, nobody's gonna be laying on their deathbed and saying, you know what, I wish I had a little bit more stuff. I just wish I had a few more things. I wish I had gotten that nicer car a couple years ago. I wish I had gotten that whatever, that whatever the thing is. But we're gonna wish we had more moments with our family and our relationships. And our relationship with God should be at the priority and it should be the number one thing on that list. Because we are about to enter into an eternity with or without him. So what's holding you back? The truth is that we all need this Savior, this Jesus, because we are incapable on our own to overcome sin. We can't do it. And so what if you lack the one thing right now? What if, it is that, what if you lack that one thing? And what if you recognize the truth that's before you, the one that's laid out here this morning in Scripture, but also throughout Scripture each and every week that we, we talk about and we look at together? But what if you were today to commit and to sell out for Jesus and follow after him for the rest of the days of your life? Your life would be changed. It would be transformed. So what if today you got past the truths of this world that you've been telling yourself or hearing for yourself, overcome the lies of the world, and converge with the living God? Here's what I want to tell you. That God created you. He knows each and everything about you. And he loves you in your struggle, in your pain, in your sin. And he still wants you. He still wants to pay an amazing price for you. And so if you know anything about scripture and you know about Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, he lived this perfect and sinless life. And then when he was hung out on the cross, he was nailed to the cross, the cross was stood up. And as the cross stood up with him on it and it came down into the the hole that it was meant to be and as it dropped down, and the weight, the physical weight of his body is hanging from those nails, the spiritual weight of our sin was hanging on his soul and his heart in that moment and he died in our place. He substituted himself for us. We simply have to surrender our life to him. We don't have to do all the things to remove all the things in our life, but we need to simply experience him in a moment and have this supernatural collision of coming together with him and watching our life be changed and transformed forever, and not forever here on earth, but forever in eternity. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, Lord, I want you to just speak to us right now, God. Father, we are um, in a world that's just full of stuff, full of distractions, full of things that the world tells us are important, full of a lot of things that we've placed so much faith and trust in and priority in. And God, my hope is that right now you would just break our hearts for the things that we've allowed to become our God, allowed to become our idol. Lord, right now you would speak to us, Lord, and you would speak to those in this room that don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray right now that you would just convict them of the sin that's in their life, the need for the savior that they have. And Father, they would surrender their life to you. Perfection that's unattainable by us can be reached only by you. We need you as our mediator. We need you to bridge the gap. We need you to pull us out of the pits of hell and into the gates of heaven. It only comes through surrendering our life to you. And Father, we don't have to be perfect to come to you. We come to you and then you make us perfect in the eyes of God. And Father, that's my hope this morning is that we would surrender our life to you. For those that have a relationship with you, God, I pray right now, Lord, that they would just maybe just evaluate things in their life. What have they made a priority? Is it stuff? Is it status? Certain relationships? And God, all those things are fine as long as they are not in the number one spot. Those are the things that are fine as long as you are still the priority. We need to seek after you. We need to be honest with ourselves and evaluate. Because Father, we think we are a lot better than we really are. When the truth is we are incapable of good. Your goodness outweighs anything that we can do. That's my hope, is that we would take that out of here today. It's your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.